Hello, welcome to the Clear Skies Camino podcast. I'm David Smith, and thank you for listening this week. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages to the shrine of St. James in Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain. My next guest is Lisa Morales from Boston. Lisa first walked the Camino in 2014 with her son, and since then the Camino has become more and more part of her life. She has more recently volunteered in albergues along the Portuguese and French ways. I'm delighted to have Lisa with me to talk about all things Camino in her life. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So, take me back. Tell me, when you talk to me about how you decided to walk uh, your first Camino de Santiago. It's funny because I don't have a definitive moment there at all. Um, I did not see the Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez movie, mm. so it wasn't that. Um, we used to have a wonderful travel bookstore in Boston. It has mm. now since gone, as so many wonderful bookstores have been gone um, in their bricks-and-mortar form. And I went to the going-out-of-business sale to see what I could collect up for, for travel books. And the only one I came home with and didn't read but put it on the shelf was John Briarley's very early edition of the Camino Portugues. Mm. And um, somebody asked me, why did I pick that book up as, as opposed to any others? I said, I really don't know. It, maybe because there was a cross and a church on the front. I have no idea. And I had never been to Portugal, never thought of going to Portugal. But it sat mm. there on the on the bookshelf talking to me for a long time. Um so when I was turning 50 and decided, okay, what am I going to do for turning 50? Um, the Camino just came came to mind. And my son was then 10, mm. and he was all for it. So, um, so we decided we're going to go. And um, because I could only go when he was out of school, which was here at the end, at the end of June, it was going to be hot. So I said, I'm not going to drag him through the middle of Spain in the heat of summer. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll take the Norte. Wow. We can go swimming and go to the beach. <laughs> so that's what we did. Perfect. Wow. <laughs> so how did you um, get to your chosen starting point? And why did you choose to get there? Uh, I'm, I'm a devoted Francophile and I've traveled in France. I've lived in France. And I said, well, how much, where can we go where we can, you know, really get some time in France in there, too? Um, mm. So we went to Paris first and visited with friends and then took the train down um, to Bayonne mm-hmm. and then t- took the bus over to Hendai. And if you've been to Hendai, there's a beautiful, big, long, gorgeous, powdery, sandy beach there, mm-hmm. which is great for great for 10-year-olds. And, um, and that's where we decided to stay dance to start and we walked across St. James Bridge into wow. Spain very nice very so, good. yeah 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 it's beautiful great great uh, can we just talk about your preparation um, for, for a bit um, apart from your backpack footwear and socks is there any uh, uh, three things uh, apart from those, those three things uh, what three things would you recommend bringing along with you Ah, um, my preparation was insufficient. That's my best word for that. Mm. Um, 
as a 50-year-old mom who really didn't do a lot outdoors, um, and with a 10-year-old, there's not a heck of a lot you can do except get them outside and wearing those boots. Um, so tr- my Caminos, have not, I've walked twice with my son. Mm. We walked to Ribadeo on the Norte together, and then we went back and went south from there down to um, from Lugo to Santiago. So those two were with my son, and then two or three times I've been back um, on my own. So I certainly approach it differently when you're with a child than yeah. you know, when you're doing your own thing. Um, so generically, uh, gosh, what are the things that I make sure I have? Um, diaper pins. Wow. Yeah, that's hard to find these days, but they, they are to be found. Because um, you need them for many things, diaper pens. Mm. Um, and having been a mom for the last 38 years, I'm well acquainted with cloth diapers and diaper pens. But uh, you can pin your wet laundry to the back of your pack. Mm-hmm. You can hang your things up anywhere with them. You can <laughs> repair your torn waterproof pants with them. Yeah. Um, in, in a pinch, you can, you can replace a broken... Uh, a broken <laughs> shoelace with them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, you know, as a Girl Scout, that's that's one of the oddball things that I make sure that I have. Yeah. Um, I, I'm more of a sleep sack versus a sleeping bag person. So um, you're more of a liner type of person. I am. Um, welcome and, to my yeah, club. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sold. And we have three different kinds and, mm. and I have a favorite. Um, but that's, I've, Never walked in the winter, so mm. I'm not coming at it from that perspective. Although mm. I had given great thought to walking this winter, but that won't happen. Um, mm. So I am a big fan of having my sleeping bag liner. I have a, a stretchy one that's really comfortable. And so no matter where I am, even if it's in the airport and I'm stuck somewhere, I have a cozy cover and um, a clean one. And I mm. also carry, this is like a weird thing. I've never seen anybody else, but I have a little tiny silk pillowcase, mm-hmm. full-size pillowcase, and it goes down to the size of a matchbook. And um, having served in in hospital, hospital uh, those par- those pillows are not as clean as you would like to think they are. I would imagine. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> So I can make a pillow out of anything because I can stuff my my down jacket in mm-hmm. and, and have a down pillow. Um, you can put your extra clothes in and have your own pillow. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's those are my oddball things that I have. Yeah, yeah. I usually use my fleece as a kind of a, an extra pillow or, or extra um, blanket to, uh, mm-hmm. if, if the pillow is insufficient. I would always. And it usually put, is, isn't it? Yes, isn't it always? It is. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's usually flat as a pancake. Yeah. But having this this little silk pillowcase that you put mm. your fleece in, mm. it's such a luxury. Mm. Yeah. And I and I've taken I've taken the same one around the world. I can't tell you how many times. Well, thanks very much for those three three, three things. Um, <laughs> the, the the diaper pins, there. That's the first one that I've. I, they have yet to come up um, on, on, the po- on the podcast. The, I wanted to make sure I was giving you something completely <laughs> unique. unique and different. It's, un- it's unique it is. And, and different. And they're, they are absolutely amusing because they usually have funny little like duck heads on them or something. Um, yeah. So nobody's going to mistake their socks for yours. 
Yeah. And there are never, never, never enough clothespins. So, no. you know, you can you can hang your, your socks anywhere with these things. So, yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. <laughs> now there's going to be a run on diaper pins. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I need, to, I need to ask you, have you had, was there any mistake that you made at the start that you wouldn't make um, um, going uh, if you were to go again? Too much stuff. Mm. Every time, I swear, then the next time I'm bringing my passport and my ATM card, and that's it. I keep swearing that, but too much stuff. Even as as I try the, my best to, to to pare down, and I swear I'm pared down. As soon as I start, I'm getting rid of stuff, mm. um, and I and I don't think that's unusual. Um, but now, as a photographer, mm. most of what's in my bag is camera gear. So yeah. I, you know, I've really gotten rid of a lot of the, the regular stuff, but I am lugging around a full size camera and and different lenses and, and batteries and chargers, and so now I'm I'm lugging camera gear. But um, the last two caminos, but uh, yeah, that that's my you know perpetual mistake. Even though I will travel for months on end with just a small backpack, mm. it's always still too much in the beginning. Anything that you say, what if, I need this because, what if this, leave that back. Because you're not going to the middle of the Sahara. And you can get anything you need. What I usually say is, if you, if you can use that item for more, uh, twice or more, then definitely keep it. But if you can use that item only once, then ditch it. That's my way. Uh, way if, or... if, if, even that, because, mm. I mean, you don't need a full-size anything. Mm. You don't need a full size of foot cream. You don't need 20 band-aids. You need, mm. you know, enough to get you to the next place. Mm. Um, and you don't need a full size bottle of shampoo. And it's amazing the things I see mm. people struggle in under and then leave behind um, at the albergue. So, um, and even even hiking sticks. There are so many hiking sticks at the, at the airport when you first get there that Very true. it's like you can go get all the free hiking sticks you want um and there's usually some left at any albergue um yeah I, so I, too yeah. much stuff i think that's what's what the what's very very good and and, and the importance of al- albergues uh if pilgrims need to leave um uh, stuff behind it's always good to leave them at albergues so other pilgrims can can pick up stuff and uh it that that, that they need um uh, um like something something that's that that they want they can always find them at albergues you know they can like another pair of socks or or a pair of gloves or a buff or whatever you know that something that's that if a pilgrim doesn't need they can always leave them in in an albergue and that's oh i I often see that anyway i yeah i just i our our donation box is so mm. overflowing mm. at albergo Monero that i just spread it all out across the benches in the front mm. and put you know come and get it because there was just too much left behind so i i also caution people about spending way too much money on their gear yeah. because if you accidentally leave it behind you're heartbroken if you spend too much money on it and you have to leave it behind because you just can't carry it anymore you're still heartbroken so it, it just don't don't oh, go crazy on spending money on gear. Yeah, I know everybody loves loves loves, especially in the states. They they've got to order brand new from REI, yeah. but all of that stuff ends up 
at a thrift shop eventually. So I go to the thrift shop (laughs) and get all the L.L. Bean and REI and Patagonia I want because other people thought they were going to use it. So I need to ask you as well, you probably are aware of this, the majority of people do walk the Camino Frances. Is there something that, or was there something that inspired you to walk the Camino del Norte rather than than the Camino Frances? Well, aside from having to walk in summer and the heat, um, mm. I I still, that was my, my favorite experience. I love, I live near the sea. I love being near the sea. Mm. Um, walking the Norte with the sea on your right and the mountain on your left, it's gorgeous. And mm. it, there's a sea breeze and um, it, it there's just a wonderful um, uh, fiesta atmosphere in the towns because, especially mm. in the summer. Because people are there on beach holiday, which could make it a little tougher to get a place, but um, it's just so beautiful. So I love being near the sea, no matter what. Um, when I was in Acruña, I just loved the city because it's, it's so integrated with the sea. Same thing in Mutia or in you know, Um And the coastal route, which you've walked, I believe, in mm-hmm. Portugal, it's the same thing. Walking in Vila do Con, um along the beaches and by the sea, it's just that's my thing so yeah um you get the most of it best of everything you get the mountains you get the ocean um and uh yeah so i think that that was for our first camino back in 2014 you know things were a little different there weren't as many um facilities on the norte Mm. and then you know a few years ago they declared that the year of the norte they wanted to draw people away from the frances um so I think the Norte now is, is just as much infrastructure as the uh, the Frances almost, but um, it's, I think, the second most popular route. Maybe Portuguese first because it's shorter. Then, I, I think but, the, the, uh, the Portuguese coastal route is, is growing in popularity as we speak. Um, uh, well, yeah. pandemic pending, but, but <laughs> um, if... If it wasn't for things as they are now, the the Portuguese coastal route would be would be growing day by day. Uh, uh, just underneath the 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 Frances, and then the, yeah. the then the, the Del Norte underneath that. After that, yeah, yeah. yeah the Portuguese is a much shorter route, and mm. um, and it's it's beautiful. It's a lovely and route. I love yeah, I love up near Perdon, and you can get the Perdonia. The certificate, mm. if you visit the, from Padron to um, between Santiago and Padron, there are several sites if you visit, and you can have the certificate of the Padronia, which is kind of unique and different. I have that one. Um, but it, it is. It's a beautiful. I love all the fresh fish yeah. and the food and the people, and I just I like being on the coast. So, yeah, now, that's my thing. I, I need to ask you this. Apart from the, the two albergues that you were volunteering at, what was your favorite albergue? and uh, one that you recommend uh, my best and most influential experience was absolutely at um, Gemis and and I apologize to all the listeners for my terrible Spanish accent from the beginning I speak French but Spanish very badly with a terrible French and American accent um, but Gemis is from the Norte Padre Ernesto mm. turned his family property into a very unique albergue and um it was such such a, 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 a life-changing experience that it inspired 
me to, you know, do everything I could and to buy a, a house in just above Saint-Jean-Bier-de-Port and mm. get all of the necessary paperwork done in France and wow. get visas to move over there. I was so inspired and then got divorced. So that mm. didn't come to pass. Um, and so as well as I can't be there all the time, this is what I can do to be there part of the time in serving pilgrims. So mm. Padre Ernesto was such um, an inspiration. So I highly recommend it if anyone is in, in up there on the north side after Yanis to um, to be sure to spend some time with Padre Ernesto. Yeah. Now I, I haven't actually walked the Camino del Norte myself, but I've heard so many good things about that that actual albergue and actual the albergue in Miraz Miraz as well. So um, two albergues not to be missed. Absolutely. He he has um, he has a you know he's a he's a Catholic priest, but he's mm. not in a parish. His, his parish is right there at, at the albergue. And he has spent time in South America and Central America and Africa. And he talks about the Camino de la Vida, that the Camino mm. is life and your life is the Camino. And yeah. I just was so taken with not only that, but the way that he expressed that in the hospitality um, was just so, so moving. So, yeah, huge inspiration for me. I agree. I would agree with that. I I, I I think that the Camino doesn't stop at the, the minute you arrive under the Cathedral of Santiago. It's a continuous journey, and it's 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 progress day by day. So that's it's that's beautifully put. It really is. I think for for everyone whose Camino was postponed mm. this year, that the Camino starts when you decide to go. Mm, that's great. And yeah. And your whole, your, everything becomes, you know, centered toward that. Mm. And it, it, there's a reason why the Camino needed a rest right now. Mm. There are some stretches that were so overwalked, and the, the very ground was overexposed mm. and trash, and just it's just it really needed a rest. Yeah. And I love seeing the pictures from my friends in Spain that where the the wildflowers have come back and. It's just taking a rest. It'll be there. Yeah, absolutely. It's taking, taking a rest. As someone has said to me, it's it's the great pause. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, can we talk about food for a moment? Um, mm. Is there a particular restaurant or a cafe or a bar that you're favorite with? Uh, that you're um, that 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 you enjoyed on your on your walks on your pilgrimage? Mm, I can't. I can't point to a, a specific one, mm. um, but there. But my favorite food in Spain is always any kind of fresh seafood. Mm. Yeah. So, I'll, although I'm not so big on brussels, that's not my thing. But <laughs> <laughs> overall, I think that um, that I just love having fresh fish. And yeah. when I was volunteering on the meseta. That's not the place to get fresh fish. It's, you know, no, that's not. They're not. That's not. That's not their um, But uh, um, you know, any place that's open when I need a coffee is absolutely the best place. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, neither of the albergue that I stayed at, that I worked at, we didn't prepare meals for people there. As a rule, now I usually wind up cooking for people at 
in the evening anyway, whether I'm making a big pot of lentil soup or whatever, mm. just because not everybody has the strength or the, the wherewithal to go to the store and get their food and bring it back and cook mm. it. Um, and, and I realize now that with COVID, everything we say is different. Not all the kitchens mm. can be open. But I did go over to Persianos, and I don't know if you've ever stayed at Persianos. No. Um, El Real Camino. And it's oh, just sorry. before. My apologies. I have, yes. I have at stayed the, there. At the parochial. I have, I have. Yeah. Isn't it marvelous? It and is so a that's about, beautiful place. It's, it's beautiful. And it's about seven kilometers ahead of El Barbonero. So yes. I took the little rackety old bike over there and hung out with those guys over there. There was an American that I knew from New Hampshire who was volunteering. Mm. So I went to visit them. And so I had dinner with them one night, and they do cook there. So um, they bring all the tables out into the street. And, you know, whether 40 people show up or 60 people show mm. up, everybody will be fed. You can always uh, stretch lentil soup. <laughs> it's one of the magic things you learn as a hospitalero. And um, and then they go out and sing to the sunset the on one, the cliff. The one thing I remember from, from my time in um, Bertianos de Real Camino was, uh, and it was in 2013 when I stayed there, um, they asked everyone from each nationality to sing a song from your particular country. So there was me and another chap from Ireland. We were asked to sing, um, to come up to the top of the, uh, wherever, the, 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 the place where we were sitting after eating. Uh, and mm-hmm. there was two of us. And we were asked to sing, whatever, uh, sing, p- pick a song from our country. So naturally enough, we sang a song from, um, uh, we sang a U2 song. And, ah. Yeah, exactly. And um, I would have picked, I would have said you, Danny Boy, but that, <laughs> you went with you too. Okay. But I didn't know the words to the song, so we had to go onto onto the internet to find the words to the song. Oh, that's funny. But, but that's because that's because Bono mumbles a little bit. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, but but I think the great thing about it was that everyone joined in after a couple of lines. And after a few seconds, everyone joined in, and the whole, the whole, everyone that was in the in the albergue knew the words after a while, so it was fine. So that's great. Yeah. They're very big on singing there. Very big Absolutely. on singing. Yeah. And um, the Italians, the night that I was there, they sang um, the bamba, mm. and um, then uh, there was a, a wonderful soprano who, who just sang the most heartbreakingly beautiful song. But I'll have to send you um, a video that I have of everyone singing there at Bertianos. And the the um, the Americans sang American Pie. I remember that. Ah, oh my God, that goes on for like twenty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's funny. <laughs> now I need to ask you: um, Can you describe your feeling when you arrived near to Santiago? I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Just saying mm. that. It, thinking about the Plaza Obradoro. I've walked in many times, and, and mm. not always after walking the whole Camino, but um, whether I'm visiting people or what have you, I've, I've walked into that square, and I, it never, never ceases to just absolutely bring me to tears. Mm. I can't explain it. I, you know, is it, is it a sacred place? Is it the ley lines? Is it the energy? 
Is it the energy of all the pilgrims who have come before? I have no idea. But I have never, ever walked into that square without just, poof, you know, goosebumps and crying. And, oh, it's just, I, I, I hope everyone can have that experience. Because yeah. it's, uh, it's, it just gets me every single time. And I was there in the holy year. Um, no, sorry, in the, the year of um, Divine Mercy. Mm. And the, the Puerta de Perdón was open for mm. that year. So one year I entered the cathedral through that. And while it's a beautiful door, it didn't it didn't make me feel any differently. Um, I still, just walking into the Plaza Bandaro, get the same excitement and, and uh, feeling every time. So um, I think you have to do it to understand it. I've never been to Rome, so I don't know if I'd get the same experience walking into St. Peter's Square. Um, I've been to other yeah. shrines all over the world. I don't get the same experience as I do when I walk into that plaza. Yes, I I, I would agree with you. I, do, I I'm kind of I don't think I would walk to to, to Rome because I'm kind of kind of afraid uh, of of not experiencing the same experience. So um, I think I'll I'll I, I, I'll leave it. I'm quite happy walking to Santiago. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many times either. It's yeah, always exactly. for me the same. And the sa- it's the same feeling. Yeah, it's the same feeling. Mm-hmm. I walk every single year and I got the same feeling. So yeah. And yeah, same feeling. Um I need to ask you as well, have you any advice um for pilgrims that um on after arriving into Santiago um on uh, on on making a smooth transition back to everyday life after such an adventure oh my only advice when you get to Santiago is keep going to mm. Finisterre or Musia mm. <clears throat> I, I have a preference for Musia I feel like it is also a very mystical place in, in Musia um, I, I got too much of a Disney World feeling in Finisterre um, which I also got by the way in Lourdes which I was completely put off going to Lourdes. Um, all of the, the souvenir shops that had Mary in every which size and shape and color, and oh, I, I just was couldn't get out of Lourdes fast enough. Mm. Um, and I got the same kind of feeling in, in Finisterre. It wasn't the end of my journey, so maybe I would have felt differently. Mm. Um, but getting to Musia it has that same feeling I bet it had a thousand years ago with it's just a tiny little rocky outcropping with fishermen actively working mm. the wharf. Um, you're there and you're kind of non, non, non-consequential to their lives as pilgrims. They tolerate, you mm. know, okay, they're going to have some food here and stay. Um, but the, the, I say say Mary of the boat. Is that, I'm trying to translate it in my head. Um, the church in Mutya that's just out there, and it's just so that's truly to me the end of the earth. It is out there to have that church out, out on the rocky outcropping. Um, it's that to me. It's even more remote um, than going out to a lighthouse, but to go out to that church. And I went out very very early on a Sunday morning I walked out there and that was the touchstone that was actually the start of my walk that year and um, 
started at kilometer zero because there's another kilometer zero out there kind of funny mm. there too um but to start there and then leave on my journey from there um i just love it there i could spend weeks in mucha so um mm. so my advice is don't stop just keep keep going and, and experience the rest of that and take that time going and i would go finisterre then mucha because there's a direct bus back to santiago mm. from mucha um take that time those last couple of days walking to process um and give yourself enough time to do that yeah it's it's very it's very hard i mean I, i've heard of people having just absolute panic attacks when they get to the airport or the big airport not the little mm. santiago airport because there's so many people and there's so much noise and rushing 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 and Um, after you've spent all that time inside your own head um, at it's your own crazy, pace, isn't your it? own schedule, yeah. it, it's very, it's it's an affront to your senses, really. Um, so I completely understand that. But to give yourself yeah. time, I love Pilgrim House. I don't know if you've been in there. No. But it's, uh, a, yeah, oh, it's a great place. I totally agree with you. I mean, for people that have, that, that don't know about Pilgrim House or even Agaria, Sybil's place, mm -hmm. Agaria House, yes. absolutely avail of it. Go and visit these places. Yes. Camino mm -hmm. Companions. And not, just, not, just, not just use the computer. Um, they have in the, a beautiful meditative space. Yeah. It's very quiet in the back of um, Pilgrim House. They have showers. Yep. They have. You can just have decompress, mm. have a chat with people. Um, I was there... Um, Steve Watkins was there on his first mm. day volunteering. Uh, I don't know if you've read his book, um, Pilgrim Strong. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I, he's from Texas. I got to meet him and his wife on their first day there. Um, and we did this exercise with these cards about thinking, how to, you know, just kind of a, a group exercise of how to think this through. It was wonderful. It was just wonderful. So um, any of these things, whether you go to various masses or book talks, or take advantage of the, the museum tours, mm. um, get up on the roof of the cathedral, that's yeah. a completely different experience, um, take that tour, give yourself enough time to really to just start to process, because yeah. it's a long, long um, period of, of adjustment, and I, uh, I do give a talk, a, a program about that here in, in Boston, mm. um, about you know unpacking your camino is what we mm. call it um to how do you unpack that and how do you keep the camino alive in your everyday life when you get back um so i think that's really really important um another thing that i know now to to, to recommend to people that i didn't know before is to write your pre-camino self a letter with all of your oh. hopes and aspirations and your fears and What could go wrong and what do you hope to get out of it and seal it and leave it on your kitchen table mm, and when you that's come a back great idea you open it mm. and you see when you're ready because you won't be ready with the minute you walk back in the door when you're ready and then then process those things together these are the things i was afraid of or hoped to have and mm. this is what i got out of it because not everybody's going to get that lightning bolt um it, it may come later Um, but when you least expect it, yeah. but it's not always going to be, you know, depending on your experience, 
what time of year you walk makes a huge difference mm-hmm. in your experience. Um, the route you take makes a huge ex- difference in your experience. Mm-hmm. But the person you were when you left and the person you are when you come back can then kind of have a conversation with each other because you committed it to writing. So I, yeah. I like to recommend that now when I'm, when I'm doing Camino 101. Um, I, and my son and I wrote postcards back to ourselves. That was our, our way of doing it, saying we wrote ourselves postcards from wherever we were with little funny things. You know, we met this person or we ate this or this happened. Yeah. And then when we got home, they were all there. Yeah. And that was yeah. kind of fun. That's that's a great point. Um, one of my previous episodes, um, I was I, I talked to Samantha Plavins and mm-hmm. she... After her Camino, she basically quit her job, and um, she's now a um, she's now a guide. Um, uh, she 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 guides people. Um, um, she was working as a financial consultant. She quit her job, and she's now a guide. So I mean, she went on Camino, and the Camino has uh decided um made her made that decision for her to do to do these things so it's such such an it's such an amazing thing really mm-hmm. so um uh i had a, a great chat with, with samantha um there um uh, a, a few weeks ago but um she's an extremely positive positive person um but uh, the Camino can do amazing things to you, or if 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 you let it do. If you let it, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. If you let it mm-hmm. do so, so. Um, now, I want to go on to talk about your time as a volunteer, as a hospitalero, because um, this this resonates with me as well because I have given back to the Camino as well uh, through Camino Society Ireland. Um, after my time, after I walked the Camino in t- 2016, I walked to the coast in to Finisterre. Um, I um, I started to volunteer with Camino Society Ireland, and I still do to this day. So, can I ask you what inspired you to uh, give something back and volunteer as a hospitalero? Well, like I said, I didn't intend to be a volunteer. I intended to buy this absolutely gorgeous building on the Vaudevaisalet mm. and turn it into a gîte and uh, mm. an albergue and make it our home. Mm. Um, so when I went to the training um, that American Pilgrims on the Camino has for a hospitalero, hospitalero um, my intention was that it was going to be a, for, you know, for a business that we were going mm. to do. Um So when that all blew up, um, then I said, well, this this was my dream and my calling. I'm going to find another way to do it. So um, I was on the Camino my first night at Albergo Renero, and I I know you've stayed there as well, um, was the night that my divorce was final. Mm. And I was on the Camino in 2015 when I got the final um, offer of settlement on the divorce. Okay. So the Camino has touched every every part of this this journey, sure, which has sure. been a, a, con- a concurrent journey. So um, I had taken the training, and 
the first trainings in North America were only in 2004 um, in Santa Barbara, California. Okay. Um, and that was led by um, the Padre from Granion and um, a couple from Unate and a woman from Lagorno. So they brought the training from the Hospitaleros Voluntarios in Spain and brought it here okay. and made sure that we, you know, had the hang of it for a few years before mm. they allowed it to be given um, just by American pilgrims. Mm. So twice a year now they do run that program. And it's pretty comprehensive. Um, I think, mm. and there are plenty of places you can go volunteer without any training. You just have to have walked. Um, yeah. And But I think that this gave me and others the confidence to be able to go in and and be entirely responsible for other people's experience. That's that's that to me is a huge weight on my shoulders. Yeah. And when you say that Samantha's a guide, I have many times thought of taking people yeah. and said, I just can't be responsible for somebody else's community. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I'm not so sure anybody needs a guide. If you can follow the arrows, you can do this. But yeah. um, I, I cannot put every, someone's entire experience on my shoulders. I just can't. That's not for me. Yeah. But I can I can take care of forty or sixty people a night, and and that I can do. Um, strangely enough, so they cover everything from the history of hospitality, the the story of behind St James in the cathedral, the history mm. of that, the history of pilgrimage um, in in Iberia, but then they also get into the whole the nuts and bolts and of actually how do you do this thing mm. you're going into somebody else's home essentially they whether it's got 20 beds or 60 beds or 160 beds that's mm-hmm. just somebody else's thing and you're walking in there and taking over so yeah. what needs to be there um what are you going to have spiritual moment in the evening how are you going to run that how are you going to facilitate people um coming together or not um how are you going to communicate with people? How are you going to cook? If you've never tried to cook for 60 people, mm. it's a different experience than making dinner for five people. Um, mm. how, how are you going to handle first aid things? So we go through everything about first aid things. How do you deal with the bed bugs if you have to deal with the bed bugs? Um, all of those things. And then how do you walk out of there and process your own experience? Because this is very intense, 24 hours a day. Um, and you also, if you let it, become part of the community for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's intensive. And so they really do spend three or four days um, walking you through all of this. And there's a similar program in Canada. There's a similar program in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there is one also in the CSJ uh, in the UK. So yes, uh, yes, because they run they run Robinal and yeah, and yeah, and, in yeah, Neras, so. yes, um, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. So yes, and um, and and what is what is a typical day in the life of a hospitalera as well, on uh, on the Camino? Um, let's just say, what was your what what was your day like uh, in El Burgo Rinero? Hmm. Long. <laughs> long, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yes, it's very long. And 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 the setup in Albergo Ranero is the that is a municipal alberga. Mm. It's owned and run by the town. And the purpose of it being there is to bring people into town. 
people, you know, that was a sleepy backwater town um, mm. until the Camino made a resurgence about 20 years ago. Mm. So, and it's, it's, isn't it odd to think of how it's really only been about 20 years of the quote unquote modern Camino? Mm. Um, and so the purpose is to get people into town and use the restaurants and cafes. There's no Wi-Fi in the, ca- in the albergue on purpose. Because they want you to go to the cafe to use the, the Wi-Fi. So um, in that particular albergue, there's a communal kitchen, but we don't necessarily prepare a given meal. Um, it's the only public albergue in town. Um, it's a small, small, small village. And, um, and it's on the Meseta. So of all the Meseta skippers out there, it's an absolutely beautiful experience. To come yeah. through the mistake. So that's, I think of the Camino as having three parts. The beginning, it's like, what am I doing here? How did I get here? How does this work? How do I do this again <sighs> the next day? You know, how, what you're still working your way through. The middle part on which the Meseta falls is, okay, I got the hang of this now. I know how I'm doing this. I know where to get my coffee. I know how to tie my shoes. And now you can start really contemplating things. Mm. And so skipping the meseta is not doing yourself any favors. Um, and then the third part is the anticipation and the joy um, of getting to Costa Santiago, that you're almost there. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. So to me, that's, those, that's the three parts of the Camino. And um, so the meseta, we'd have people getting off the train every morning because they skipped. <laughs> At the train station in Saigon, is this a, this one? Oh, no, there's a little train station right there in Albergo and Oh, I didn't know that. So, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So they would just get off the train. They'd be there at the door at 8 o'clock in the morning because they got off the train. <laughs> uh, I, so I'm sorry be, I'm sorry for being so judgmental. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody does their own Camino. But yes, we would yes, just yes. barely have, you know, scooted the last person out from the night before. And now we have 40 beds to clean and make up. Yeah, and they, yeah. so they used real sheets there, cotton mm. sheets. So they had to be washed and dried every day. Mm, mm. And then 40 beds made up again. And we only had a washing machine with cold water. Mm. So in no dryer. So that meant they had to be hung on the line every day. Mm. So that was a huge part of every day. Mm. Um, so you're doing, you know, there's a team, two of us together, and our real common language was French, not Spanish or English. Okay. So I spent the majority of those two weeks speaking French. Um, but um, so that, and you're cleaning the bathrooms and the showers and all of that kind of thing. So that that was a huge project. Um and there would be just enough time that people would be lined up again and ready to come in at one o'clock. So you had just enough time to get your own lunch and then start start all over again. Um, and I had asked the, the women um, that I took over from uh, had they had any issues with bed bugs, and they said, "Oh no, 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 of course not. Everything's good." Mm. Well, I wasn't there all that long before I figured out that if they had actually looked, they would have known. But there was not a little bed bug problem, but a really big bed bug problem. And so that became the focus of the, the second whole week of, of, yes. uh, of being there. Now, 
I saw some of your your photographs on your blog post, and I'm going to put uh, your pretty your... pretty creepy, aren't they? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to put the link to your blog post in the description uh, of of this uh, below. Um, some of those photographs would um, would 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 make anyone faint. <laughs> Um, <laughs> don't, don't don't look at them while you're eating dinner. Absolutely. <laughs> Is there any? Consi- but I posted them for a reason. Because, I, I I think so. I yeah, think so. Yeah. yeah for yeah, a reason. Yeah, and yeah. I I posted them because to to me and on mm. my I've been traveling for a very long time. Mm. I have not run across this in my travels. Um, but I, my sister told me, you know, God put you there to, to, to straighten this mess out because it had to be done mm. um and who better than a pushy american woman to, to take care of this but the best thing you can do to protect yourself is use your two eyes mm. because when you see the pictures it's so obvious it's really obvious and they had everything set up to, to make this happen they had wooden floors with big cracks between the floors wooden beds you know basic ikea type wooden pine beds mm. with lots of wonderful places for them to live mm. they had pictures on the wall that were beautiful but they love to live in the back of the pictures in the back and, yes and yes. eat the and eat the paper yeah yeah um they have no ceiling on those dormitories upstairs it's a it's one peaked thatched roof so there's no way to actually even fumigate one room mm. Because there's no ceiling. It's one common ceiling. They're like partitions. and then It's a beautiful, beautiful albergue. Yeah, but yeah. It, everything was set up to have this problem. And they it's, had these wonderful, heavy, fleecy blankets on every bed, but no way to wash them. It's it's one of the older albergues, yes, I would I, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a lovely spot. but um, mm. So this happened. And, of course, I'm there in August. And so it's been a very busy season already. Mm. And um, the uh, one of the private albergue down the street suddenly had closed without explanation and reduced the number of beds in town. And, and it was in the middle of the fiesta. So there were many people around in town that weren't even pilgrims. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, created a crunch in terms of beds. And then the other private albergue closed mm-hmm. without explanation. And so I'm thinking, there's, there's something going on here. So nobody's telling me. Um, and then I decided, well, I'm going to flip these plastic mattresses, which is exactly what they should be, not in terms of comfort, but in terms of cleanliness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to flip them all over and wash them down. Well, mm. then and I that, that's when you discovered yes. bed books. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And I need to ask you, is there anything anything that, that future pilgrims can do to make to make um, Hospitalero's life a little bit easier. Absolutely. Do not put your pack on the bed. Mm, I would put your agree. Pack on the ch- yeah, put your pack on the chair. Hang it from the end. Sometimes um, there's a hook. But, you know, one of the things that you can add to your pack is a very simple, lightweight S-hook that mm. you can hang your pack from any bunk bed or windowsill. Um, protect yourself and protect everyone else. Um, so I, that's another odd piece of gear you can add with your diaper pins. Oh, so you can tip. all, Great. yeah, <laughs> so nice. you can hang your pack away from the floor, um, and not put it on the bed. And if, as Hospitalera, if I walk in and there's packs on the bed, I'm going to take them off the bed. Um, okay. so that's one thing. Um, if you suspect you have an issue, 
let the hospitalera know right away. Okay. Um, because you can't deal with it if obviously no one had said anything. Um, so let them know so they can actually start to deal with the problem. Hmm. Um, and then don't just keep on moving without treating your own back. And if it's summertime, you can ask for a black plastic garbage bag and put your sack in that and set it in the heat and that heat will will take care of the situation mm. pretty well um if there's a laundromat or if the albergue has it put everything you can into the hot dryer and that will take care of it you don't have to go to chemicals to, to make that happen mm. um and there's really no chemical that's proven to to head this off um it's there's nothing really they'll, they'll sell you all kinds of things but it's mm. really just poison for people not for bad bugs they're they're very very persistent little things um they are actually yeah it's true mm -hmm. Mm. so we actually had the whole albergue eventually had to be shut and very very strong strong chemicals were used and the first time it didn't do it they had to come Mm. back with even stronger i couldn't even be in the building and luckily the room where the hospitalera stayed it was behind. It's not in the actual albergue. It's mm. in the courtyard. They're in the back of the pharmacy. <laughs> There's a storage mm. room. And that's where the that's where the hospitalera Valentino stay. So we weren't sleeping in the same space. So our mm. space didn't have to be dealt with. Um, but yeah, so it, it became a really big process. Okay. Um, but yeah, so. The best thing you can do, whether you're staying at a five-star hotel or you're staying in a hostel, is when you walk in the room, and I do this all the time now, um, pull up the corners of the sheets and look under the mattress. You will see the black specks. Mm, They're very yes. obvious of you know um, of what they leave behind or, or eggs or what have you. You can see that really well before you put your bag down on the floor before you put your bag down on the bed mm. um it does not matter there's no you know price uh, people that could have left there and gone to the best hotel in, in leon mm. and taken them with them so yeah. there's it's got nothing to do with the price of the place um it's got to do with practices of the travelers yes so your eyes your eyes are your best defense eyes are your best defense absolutely now i would agree with you i've i've personally i've never been affected with bed bugs myself but i still check uh to see if there are bed bugs on every albergue i go to so mm-hmm. it's always important to check before you go uh before you um before you pick the rice or you pick the the bed you stay at so yes and yeah. it can be different from room to room too exactly so exactly. um yeah yeah so that it's important and and it, it's very important to say that bed bugs are not known to transmit disease to humans that's true but yeah. some people are very susceptible to the bites mm. um just like some people really react to mosquito bites and some people really don't um so it it's uh it's got a lot to do with your reaction to them as opposed to them doing something to you yeah. but it's just it's one of those things that you know are, are annoying and um that need to be dealt with so it's again as a traveler as 
that's all over the world and on many Caminos. Mm. I have never encountered it as a traveler. Mm. But for whatever reason, I got to deal with it there. So I always tell people now that that is the cleanest albergue ever. Don't avoid it because it's sparkling clean. Mm. They dealt with the problem. <laughs> and it's the best one going. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and this was several years ago. That's why I'm willing to talk about it. I, I don't ever want to give them any kind of a stigma. Um, but it could have been anywhere. It just happened to be there. And oh. I just happened to have to deal with it. Okay. We won't mention any names, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, when all this craziness goes away, um, would you do you see yourself uh, walking again or being a hospy? Both. Absolutely. Um, both, but you know, I'm not in any rush to get on a plane. Yeah. Um, that's just not going to be part of my life. I'm 56, a severe Mm. asthma. Um, Mm. it's going to be a while. So I've been exploring options here in the States. There are a number of pilgrimage sites in the U.S. And, um, I'm going to, um, I'm working on a guidebook for, uh, sacred sites in North America. Okay. Perfect. So I'm I'm adopting and adapting to the the pandemic in that way. Um, I will walk on All Saints Day, coming weekend, um, to Our Lady of La Salette Shrine. The National Shrine um, happens to be not that far from my home. Um, okay. So I'm I'm still doing my Camino. I'm just doing it from here right now. And how far, um, how far is this particular trail? This this particular pilgrimage. Well, it's a personal pilgrimage, so it's mm. from wherever you want to start. Yes. Um, but I will end at Our Lady of La Salette, which is in Attleboro, Massachusetts. They're mm. very famous for their absolutely spectacular, over-the-top, um, and entirely free uh, mm. Christmas uh, lights extravaganza that they do every year. Okay. Um, which is which is perfectly experienced this year because it's outdoors. You know, you're social distancing. You can bring your kids. Um, and I'll have a blog post up about that soon because we're almost in the season. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm really, I'm really interested to hear about trails in other countries. Like, yeah. There's so many different trails in, inside of Ireland. And there's now, one in, in, there's one in New Mexico. Yeah. And then there's people putting back the original um, Camino um, in California, wow. which the jesuit priest did from mexico to santa barbara wow. and established the the different um in san juan capistrano and santa barbara and all the way along they established the missions yeah, so they're putting yeah. together the california mission trail again so there's a wonderful group working on that yeah. and they have their own um credential and Compostela. that's fantastic um so that's happening um my writer friend stacy Wittick. She just finished walking the Wisconsin way, and I hadn't even known of that. Um, I've been up to St. Anne de Beaupre in Quebec. Um, I've also stayed at the pilgrimage in Montréal uh, at Eurtra-Saint-Joseph. So there's many spots, so I'm working on putting together a a guidebook. Perfect. pictorial guidebook of, of all of that so and i'd love to i'd love to see and uh, read more about about these uh these the different trails um lisa can can you tell us where we can find you online please sure it's it's the easiest places to start just at my website which is my name lisa and my social is all on there um 
I find that writing about the Camino is the hardest thing for me. Okay. And, and you've you've done it so long and so well, but I have a really hard time. Okay. Um, putting putting Camino into words. I've yeah. been much. Uh, I think I'm much more proficient at, at expressing it in photos. But um. Yeah. Yeah, working on that part. But yeah, so I'd love to have people visit that and. Um, as I add more and more, I haven't even gotten to any of the Portugal stuff yet. Musia um, Fenster's not even on that yet. Although I did um, donate photography for um, the Confraternity of St. James's guidebook for the Finisterre Camino. Um, yeah. I, I donated all of the photography for that. Uh, and Johnny Walker's um, writing is wonderful. So, um, oh, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So my work is, is in there and on the cover. Um, so you can find me there, too. But thanks Perfect. so much for chatting. I, I love talking Camino. In Boston, we just started a series of Zoom calls. And every week we're going to be talking about a different Camino. And I will be talking about the unpacking your Camino and, and how do you process the Camino. And, and anyone's welcome to join us on that. Yeah, I, I think I think more people should be talking about how to unprocess and unpack how like they should learn how to unpack your, your Camino that's very important I think yeah I think talking it through with with other Camino alumni is, is, is really important mm. and then how do you how you can incorporate it into your life mm. um, on a daily basis is yeah. I think is really really critical um, so yeah so it's all good stuff yeah Lisa, thanks so much for being on the podcast and chatting with me this evening. You're very welcome, and I hope I get to see you over in Spain soon. <laughs> when yes. It's safe, when it's safe to travel. When it's safe to travel, absolutely. Yeah. All right, take care. Be well. Be well. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you are notified when a new episode is posted. Rate it and review, and share it with all your friends. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you are leaving with some great tips for your Camino. Until next time, buen Camino.